Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. There is a famous story or joke that's been told over the years, and it takes on some, some different color and some different names at times, but it, there's, a, there's a joke about clowns. It's very interesting, so I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to what he says. He says it was, it was a guy. He was despondent. Depressed, feeling down and out about life. So he went to this psychiatrist for the first time, never met the psychiatrist before, came highly recommended. He sat down, the psychiatrist began to ask questions. And the man said, I I feel like life isn't fair. I feel like life is cruel and, and harsh. And no matter how much I I work and no matter what I do, I feel this overwhelming feeling of despair. And the psychiatrist said, look, you know, um, I heard you visiting in town and there's also a great show in town that you ought to go see. There's this clown named Pagliacci. Go watch. Be amused. Let laughter take over the day. Enjoy yourself. That'll lift your spirits at least for a moment. And the guy started to cry even Harder and harder and harder. And he said, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. When you think about the depths of that, you know, the the doctor is sending him to go get a pick-me-up, and yet he's the very one that the doctor is sending him to. It was interesting when you think about today's society, today's culture. We are the most educated in the history of humanity, and yet depression is an all-time high. We are the most connected. We can get around. Think about how life is. Where you live versus where you work versus where you uh, go to church versus where your family lives. We are connected more than anybody else, even geographically, how we can go from place to place to place in one day. And yet loneliness is at an all-time high. And what we learn In these passages that we're going through right now in the book of Ecclesiastes is like we should not at all be surprised because what we are continually finding out as we go through this book of Ecclesiastes is that at its best when the world gives you what the world has to offer it's going to leave you more thirsty and more hungry and more down and out we're going to pick up on some verses in chapter 2 starting in verse 12 that I think is highly enlightening because we're going to learn that um, when we are trying to enjoy life, how do we really find joy in this life? We are looking to how do we find joy in this life? And he's going to tell us what we don't find it in. And he's going to tell us what we do find it in. And one of the things that he starts off in these first few verses is that there's a terminus that all things come to. 
Remember, he's been thinking about, okay, if wisdom might be the answer to all the answers of life, and I can rely on wisdom, and he's finding that's kind of failed. And, and he says that, okay, that, that, that didn't give me the fulfillment I thought, and he's, he's chased after pleasures. He's, he's, matter of fact, achievements and, and possessions, and all of it came up short. And then here we pick up, and he's like, look, I, I, I pondered something. I really thought about in my pursuit for wisdom, in my pursuit of knowledge, you know, it, it was some advantage, like light over darkness, but there's a terminus to the wise that's the exact same to the fool. He even has this little poem right here where it says the wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks around in darkness. It's, it's painting this picture that uh, the one who's wise can see what is to come and really can't do anything about it. And the fool just, it just so happens to him and catches him by surprise. And yet, the same end to both. When you think about, there is, no, um, there is not a high enough IQ. There, there is, you can't attain enough degrees to save your life. It's truly amazing how even in our culture, we have idolized at certain levels that you get a degree, it's the answer to all your problems. And yet we find homeless people with high degrees. What he's getting at is this. We cannot put our hope and our trust for all of our reliance on wisdom and, and knowledge and intellectualism. He said that too, while it has some advantages of how you experience life, it's futile it's it's temporary because at the end both of our graves are going to be next to each other the person that we mock the same the one that makes the foolish decisions in life sometimes seems to even outlive the one who made the quote-unquote right decisions and we ask these questions about what's the answer to it he says look when you think about it on its grandest scale we have to be very careful of how much weight we place on being smarter than the person next to us. Now, I don't want to take away from this because we already see before and after that wisdom does have advantages, meaning you can prolong your life, you know, a little while longer based off making some good decisions. You know, somebody offer you something you know you shouldn't be taking, wisdom will tell you no. Foolishness will say yes. One can prolong your life. One can shorten your life. You know, you can make certain decisions in life and you can have a fairly good time and enjoy some things in life when it comes to uh, where you live and what you get to eat. And yet, he says, don't put all your hope in that because check this out. When the wise person and the fool dies, that remembrance of them is short. It's very short. Very short. For adults, you can right now think about, think about people you grew up with in high school. Go back to elementary, junior high, high school. Sometimes it takes long and hard. There were people that were smart. There were people that were foolish. There were people that made good decisions, people that made bad decisions. And right now, you're sitting here, and some of them are not here today. You don't know what happened to them. Matter of fact, you might have forgot, forgotten their names. Matter of fact, if you look at an old picture, you may even forget who those people are because that remembrance is, 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 is short. 
And these first few verses that we looked at right now, he's speaking about how we place value on certain things. And while wisdom is a good thing, not a bad thing, he says, don't place it in the wrong spot, meaning don't place it in the space to where it will give her all the answers of life. And this is where you can rest your life. Because what he came to realize when he really thought of it, it was like, I learned all this, I achieved all this, and you know what? When I die, nobody cares. It really made no difference. As a matter of fact, it even adds nothing to even when I die and after I die. It has no value. Now, in this passage, he does not deal necessarily with eternity. He's not talking about life after death, but he is making this point. Your wisdom or whatever level you have been raised to has no benefit for the hereafter. Has no benefit. You, none, of, none of us will stand before God and say, hey, I get a better seat because I was smarter than them. So we got to be very careful of the level of value we place on wisdom when it comes to this life. And notice he continues throughout this passage in dealing with under the sun. This wisdom he's speaking of is that which only is attained and accomplished and experienced when it comes to what the world has to offer. It is devoid of God in the midst. That's why you can see, we talked about this on Wednesday at Bible study. You can see some of the most high-degreed people make the most foolish decisions publicly. I, 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 I remember when it hit me right smack in the face when I always talk about how irrational sin is. You know, like sin will make you do the dumbest stuff. It'll make you do the dumbest stuff. And I remember there was, a, there was an attorney. He was now a senator. He went to law school, functioned an attorney, and then he sent inappropriate pictures of himself to somebody else from his own cell phone. I'm like, dude, we got screenshots now. It's from your phone, your IP address. You can't deny it. And I'm sitting here like, you a lawyer. You know about incriminating evidence. You could, you could at least be smart enough to use somebody else's phone. He used his own phone, did the dumbest thing in the world. Yet, he got degrees, though, and he got position. We got to be very careful when we talk about this level of value that we place on this. Because we're talking about King Solomon, who was the wisest of the world. He wanted arguably the wisest dude to walk the earth except for Jesus Christ himself. And yet he says that it is best, all his wisdom and intellectualism I, I attain, futile, vanity. It's like a vapor. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. I want you to notice what this king says. He says, I found that I work hard, I attain all this greatness. And you know what? Again, that terminus. I'm going to die 
and somebody else that had nothing to do with that work going to get it. And who knows if they're going to use it wisely or ruin it. Isn't that awful? Think about that. You work so hard. You build a great company. You give it over to somebody and they ruin it, sell off all the shares. It's like, hold on. All that work meant nothing. You work so hard, you attain all this stuff, you die, you leave it to your kids. Your kids don't care about it. They sell it in an auction. For you, it was priceless. Your kids, $200. And it's not a knock against kids. It's that what we think is a big deal may not be a big deal to other people. He says, what do we gain when we come to all this work? And he says, we're working so hard, we can't sleep, we can't rest, we can't even live life. You got people that are missing the entire process of life and all that God intends because they're giving their whole life to the job. I, I, I had an old teammate named Amani Tuma. He was a great, he was an all-pro. Dude was a baller. Dude was a baller. He, he told me something. He said, man, he said, man I, I realize we talk about loyalty to teams. He said, and it, you may not get the gravity of this. I'll explain it a little more for those that, if you don't care about football, it's, it, it, it's, this is a point I'm making. He said, the Indianapolis Colts cut Peyton Manning. Now, if you really think about that, Peyton Manning was, argue, was, people argue, was he the greatest quarterback of all time? And there was this little young up-and-coming quarterback that was supposed to be good. Peyton was getting at the A's. They were like, we don't know if he's going to be that good. And they cut him. Set every record. Now, if you don't know football, just think about it. This guy's arguably the greatest they ever do it. He set all your team records, but there's a younger guy coming up, and they cut you. And then make it worse, he goes to another team and won another Super Bowl. And the team that cut him ain't been back. Ain't been back. <laughs> loyalty. It's like you, you work so hard, you dedicate, and you know what? They'll, you know, they might they might do a toast and they back at work. He says the, the remembrance is not long, it's short-lived. But I do want to go back to the point he's making. He says there's a big thing, and, I, and I, th I think we have to keep things in perspective. There's a, there's a lot of talk, and there's a lot of uh, attention that's given to over the last few years when we talk about legacy, leaving legacies. And, and, and this is a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You, you want to leave a good legacy, but I think if we don't have the proper perspective, we can idolize legacy because what does the writer teach us in Ecclesiastes? Once you die, you have no control or influence of what anybody does with all the stuff you acquired. All of y'all seen enough movies where, where somebody trying to kill the boss and they're going to take over and they're going to do it right this time. There, we all see movies where there's royalty, there's a king or a queen, and you got a brother or a child trying to kill them and take over everything. People mouthing to me movies and shows and stuff now. Uh, it, it, it's like, why? Because when you go, you have you, you you call no shots. What he's getting at is, he says, don't make work and building success your God. Because at the end of the day, that too comes to an end. And at the end of the day, nobody really cares. 
You think about the greatest heights reached in our country. There are people in other countries don't care at all, couldn't care less. Don't know about it, won't hear about it. What we think is the greatest. Other people are like, what's that? He's saying that it's not bad to work hard and do a good job. What he's saying is that should never be our reliance because if we think long and hard, that too is futile. It's, it's like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. So, so, so what's the answer? Like, Pastor, what's the answer? I'm so glad because from chapter one all the way to this point, everything sounds so bad. And then notice, you notice he keeps saying under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. He's speaking about living this life and carrying on life this way of wisdom and intellectualism, possessions, power, pleasures, having a good time, pleasing yourself, pleasing your flesh. We even talked about, he talked about he didn't deny himself anything. You go up, you know, a few verses up, but he says, listen about Solomon. Solomon has 700 wives. 300 concubine. He was doing everything, trying to find as much fun as he could, and he said all of it was futile. Now he's talking about wisdom in the food, hard work, I've learned all this stuff doesn't matter. And this is his answer starting in verse 24. He says, there is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For to the person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This too is futile in a pursuit of the wind. He says, look, if you're going to really enjoy life, you only enjoy life with God, not without we have a lot of people that's chasing enjoyment, chasing fun, chasing amusement. They're trying to enjoy life to the fullest, and yet they can never attain it. They take trip after trip after trip. They posting pictures of every vacation they have, and you talk to them, they're miserable. They got all this money. They got all these possessions. They've got status, and yet discontentment not content at all with life not happy all the conversation is complaining they're constantly worrying of what's going to happen there's no peace why because what he's saying is under the sun when it comes to just this earthly realm and trying to do the things as the world does you can't find joy but when you have the perspective that I do and serve and live in all that God has provided. Now, we're freed up to really enjoy life. You know what got me about these past, this passage is that he says, who can enjoy life without him, apart from him? If we want to enjoy life, it's not apart from him, it's with him. It's with him. He said, see, the one that's pleasing in his sight, he said, this is what God gives. He gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. That's, that's, that's stuff that people seek in degrees and, and work and paychecks. They think that that's going to give them joy. 
And yet he says, no, this is given from the Lord. Who is finding this purpose and his plans and what he has for you? Yeah, you might want to go and do certain things. God may be like, no, I want you to do this. Whatever that is, it's in the midst of that that God's going to give you joy. So when I talk about change your perspective, I want you to step back and I want you to think about the good things that God has blessed you with, the things that he's given you, the, the, the second chances and third chances and another chance that he's given you. How he's continued to provide. He says to that one that lives life separated from God, he's given him the task of gathering and accumulating. And notice what it's for. He says, gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. There's another verse in wisdom literature. It says, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Sometimes people have misused that verse. You know what this verse is really getting at? It says that, look, you can do all this hustling. At the end of the day, God going to call the shot to what happens with that money. You think you're in charge of it? You think you own it? You think your name on that account? You think you stored it up? Watch what God does with it. It's going to be used for God's purposes. See, he makes this point because he wants us to understand if we really, really want to enjoy life. You need to think about we We do a lot of stuff trying to escape, trying to escape. You know, we go to amusement parks, we go to concerts, go to comedy shows. You know, we, we do a lot of things, you know, to find amusement. You know, we go skating. You know, we do all these type of things. You know, I'm, I'm still fascinated folk be skating backwards. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to skate forward and not fall in front of everybody. You know, folk, we, we do all this stuff for fun and it's an escape. Sometimes it gets us away from the problems of life only to return right back to it. We, we, we have this joyful moment. Look, there, there's... Something the Lord has to say about that, that he wants us to walk around with this perpetual joy. Even in the midst of craziness, even in the midst of tragedy in our lives or in our society or in our country, even in the midst of challenges and, and deadlines at work, in the midst of all that, he wants us to walk around with this perpetual joy. And where is this found? Jesus, Jesus said something that... Many of y'all have memorized. I've memorized it in another verse, but I want to read it because I want y'all to read, read the same thing in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I love about this passage is that he doesn't take away the, the, the in the illustration and still carrying the, the connotation of, of work. You know, like this yoke being yoke was that you, you put on a yoke and you be yoked to, to uh, you had these beasts, something to burden. You had these beasts of burden. You had these oxen and they would measure them up like size and like strength and they would put a yoke on them and connect them and they would use them to plow the ground. But Jesus says, you know, you're working hard and you're working hard and you're working hard. You're working hard in life. You're working hard trying to please God. He says, look, I'm going to lighten this load for you. Give me that. Take my yoke. And he 
says, and find rest for your soul. He didn't say you're not going to work. He just said is the yoke he has for you, the work he has for you, and the burden he has for you is light. You go back to the right of Ecclesiastes and then fast forward into the new covenant. And what this mean to live life apart from the Lord or with the Lord? To live life with the Lord is to trust Christ Jesus with everything. And in doing so, we take on his yoke. And when it comes to the work of life, when it comes to the burdens of life, when it comes to just living life, we don't live apart from him. We live with him. And it's in that that we really find joy and that we can truly enjoy the things that God has blessed us with. May we no longer take our cues from the world. May we no longer have our ears tune into what the world has to say and how we define what life should be and what we need to be chasing after. And yet, may we turn our eyes and our ears to the Lord. And in doing so, the life he has for us, where he has us live, where he has us play, where he has us work, where he has us with our family, we can all enjoy it because we understand we are under his mighty hand. And within that, we find purpose and meaning because we're living according to what he has called us to. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Chasing After the Wind, 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life he provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.